Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In his treatise on virtues and vices, Alcuin of York is going to use the schema long established by that time of the eight capital vices, the major kinds of problematic character traits that lead us into doing all sorts of other bad things. And this is coming from John Cassian and Evagrius Ponticus. And among the ones that are identified in there, there's three that you could look at as particularly connected with our emotions and problems that arise from them as opposed to mere drives or desires or a lot of things that involve comparison between ourselves and others. And those three would be what get called anger or ira. That's a general Latin term for being angry. Weariness or acadia. Weariness is not a complete translation of it, but actually there isn't a great translation of it as we'll talk about in a bit, even from going from Greek where the acadia comes about to Latin. And then sorrow or sadness, tristitia. And each of these can be very problematic. I think everybody understands that anger itself can be intrinsically bad in many cases. And even when we think that it's helping us do good, we're often doing bad, but maybe not with these other two. And he devotes considerably more discussion to anger. Each of these is discussed in a chapter in this sequential listing of the capital vices, 31, 32, and 33. But there is also an earlier chapter, chapter 24, about proneness to anger, and that's relevant as well. So what does he tell us about anger. The very first sentence could lead us, if we're not paying close attention, to think, well, you know, anger's not really that bad unless reason is not in charge of it, because he says, anger is one of the eight principal vices, which, if it's not ruled by reason, is turned into fury. So we've got two different words there, two different anger language things. Ira, this basic human emotion, and then fury or wrath, furor, right? A more intense kind of anger that is clearly being mastered by you know, its impulses and overruling reason. He goes on and says, such that a person will be powerless in his soul doing what is not not appropriate, what is not fit, what they shouldn't do, right? Now, is he saying, well, some anger is okay, and you know, it's just if you go too far and aren't listening to reason? Uh, yes and no. It's not quite so simple as this. He says, if it sits down in the heart, meaning anger, it banishes foresight from it. So, providencia is foresight. And what we can talk about here is that anger has a general tendency, and particularly once it extends into wrath, in interfering with our, our rational or our cognitive faculties that should be guiding it. So the very fact that we're getting angry tends to seduce our practical rationality. So it banishes foresight from our heart, nor will the heart be able to seek after judgment, eudicia, of right discretion, 
or have the strength of honest contemplation. It's interfering with our ability to think about things or maturity of counsel. We don't listen to other people who are giving us good advice, but it seems to do all things through a certain headlong falling. Now that's a wonderful translation here. It does things through this headlong falling, per praecipi titium quidam. You know, a certain kind of tripping and falling or losing control. You think about when you're running and you're running too fast and you can't actually control your direction, right? That's a nice metaphor for what it's like to get angry and lose control. And, you know, he talks about this in that chapter on proneness to anger. What does anger actually do? Anger without measure is without reason. And he goes on and he quotes a number of scripture passages that are relevant to this. He says, anger does not have mercy, nor does fury breaking out know a limit to vengeance. Now that's interesting because there he's saying not just, okay, fury or wrath, problematic. Anger, maybe not so problematic. Anger itself does not know mercy or misericordia, something that's very important to have. Anger is bad because it disturbs the mind, so it squanders correct counsel, you know, and so it it goes on from there. Now, he does actually in that chapter say that some anger can be just and necessary. So this might lead somebody to say, well, yeah, when somebody wrongs you and you got to stand up for yourself, not at all what Alcuin is saying. Notice too that he is addressing a reader, Count Guy, who is a military man, right? So he's saying uh, the only anger that's actually just and necessary is that which you have against your own sins, your own faults, the things that are going wrong with you. He says it's just and necessary when a person is angered against his own sins and is indignant against himself when he does wrongly. So, you know, this makes a lot of sense. He also gives some advice about what do you do when other people get angry? You know, try to have gentleness with them, kind words. Uh, You can try to reason with them. You might be successful. You might not be successful. So that's, that's anger. We'll come back to that in just a moment. What about this other thing, Acadia? Translated here as weariness, but it's not just weariness. It can also be a kind of distractedness, a kind of energetic seeking around for things, but never settling down on what you're supposed to do. So he says that this is a disease which tries to greatly harm those serving God. And he talks about a couple different sides to this. So there's an idleness and inactive side to it. And he's got this great phrase in Latin, otiosis homo torpescat, right? So The inactive, you could also say the lazy or the free from work, the idle person. Torpescat is in a torpor, meaning it's not just that they're inactive. They're just kind of laying around. They're just kind of doing nothing or they're frittering away their time. And there's a side to it of a lack of positive interest or desire or joy. So he goes on and he says, this person becomes inactive in carnal desires. Now that's interesting to note too, right? What are carnal desires? You know, eating, drinking, exercise, having sex, those sorts of things. A person stops being interested in these these sorts of matters. They stop having desire for them. They also don't delight in spiritual work. They don't enjoy 
reading or thinking. They don't rejoice in the salvation of their soul, nor grows cheerful in the assistance of fraternal labor, doing things with other people. They don't enjoy that. So that's one side of it. The other side, they do actually have desires. And he says they covet and desire concupiscat at desiderat, right? Uh, Tantum, such that or so much that, the idle mind runs through all things. Prime example of this that Alcuin, of course, wouldn't know, but we could easily do what we call doom scrolling, right? Scrolling through, say, social media and just looking at stuff and maybe thinking about it a little bit and then moving on to the next thing. In the old days when we had a cable TV and there was the song, something like 450 channels and nothing on, people would sit there with the remote and just click through the channels. That's an example of this letting your mind range over everything. Reading books, but without actually reading them, just sort of scanning through them. We could think about all sorts of other stuff. People on Tinder, swiping, 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 swiping. Some people get on Tinder not because they're looking to hook up with somebody, but just for entertainment's sake. That could be an expression of this. Moving from activity to activity to activity. So this is an interesting emotional problem that arises and it leads to all sorts of other problems. Then we have sorrow or tristity or sadness is another way to translate it. And he tells us that there's two kinds of sorrow. One of them is actually not a vice. One of them is actually quite helpful for us. He says that it's healing. Healing sorrow is when the mind of the sinner is made sad from their sins and made so sad that they seek to do confession and repentance and desires to be converted to God. Things that Alcuin was talking about earlier in the treatise. If you're sad about being a screw up or because of the bad things that you did wrong, it doesn't even necessarily need to be in a, a theological context like Alcuin places it in here. You could say, wow, I don't like the kind of person that I am. I feel bad about that. I need to change this. If it leads to positive action, then it's not bad sorrow. What is bad sorrow? He says, the sadness of this world is different. It works the death of the soul. It's not able to profit anything in good work. It perturbs the mind and often sends it into desperation and takes away hope of future good things. So it doesn't lead to any changes. It's just a dwelling on how crappy you are or the bad actions that you engaged in or pick whatever else you want to substitute in there. And this is a problematic disposition according to this entire tradition running from Evagrius and Cassian all the way up to Alcuin several decades later. Now, each of these is problematic because it produces other vices and sins. So let's look at sorrow first. He says that from this is born malice, delighting in doing bad things, rancor. People who are sad often are rancorous. They're irritable, right? Timidity of spirit, uh, a unwillingness to take risks, bitterness, despair, often even no delight of the present life. So bitterness and despair, those are very problematic. It could be that you don't even enjoy doing the things here outside of any sort of Christian theological framework, and that, that can be a, a serious issue. What about the weariness? What does weariness lead to? He says, when it besieges the person's mind, it infects it with many miseries, and these teach many evils. What are they? Sleepiness, laziness of good works. Okay, so this ties in with something. I should point out that in the seven deadly sins, you're not going to find weariness or sorrow because both of them are rolled into one of the sins sloth, 
right? And this is an aspect of it. So, you know, sleepiness, laziness of good works, instability of place. Now, remember that this is a monastic author. So he's a monk. Stability of place is something very important for monks, particularly for the Benedictines. Staying in one place, wandering about from place to place. Tepidity in working, not actually persevering in your working. Laziness of good works, weariness of heart, murmuring and vain talking. It leads to talking smack, we could say, right? In our contemporary parlance. So that's another big problem. What about anger? What does anger lead us to? So all sorts of issues, right? He says, anger can lead us to ferment of mind, right? Having our constantly thinking about stuff, quarrel. That's a no-brainer, right? When we're irritable and irritated, we get into quarrels. Violence, clamor, saying all sorts of things about other people. That a-hole, right? Indignation, audacity. Anger makes us daring to do things that we shouldn't do, right? Blasphemies, shedding of blood, homicide, desire of vengeance, remembrance of injuries. And, you know, back in the chapter on proneness of anger, he talks about other things that are, are like this. And he, and he says, you know, if you think about your, your own anger, right, and compare it to that of other people, you don't like it when they get that way. Think about your own self and how stupid you become when you're angry. He says, you know, if you're angry against another person, then there's two evils, right? The foolish person who got angry and the, the fool who you've become who's getting angry. And he says, wouldn't it be better for you to be good, even though that person's bad? Why will you be made bad from the wickedness of another? So another part of anger is sort of like losing perspective, right? We could say, and each of these has remedies. Now, interestingly, let's work our way backward from anger. The remedies for anger are indeed virtues like patience and long-sufferingness, but they're also cognitive. We can recall scripture verses like he does here. He says, don't be conquered by evil, but conquer evil and good. An irascible man provokes quarrels. Be angry, but don't sin. That's one thing that you can do. The other thing is you can remind yourself about what it is that anger itself does and how counterproductive it would be to allow yourself to give into it. What about weariness? How do we deal with that? So he says, this is conquered through zeal of reading. Zeal of reading is something that he treats in chapter five, reading scripture. Zeal means like constant desire and application for it. So that helps with, with weariness. Assuidity or perseverance of good works through the desire of profits of future blessedness. Confession of temptation, right? When you're actually feeling that way, you like say what, how things actually are, right? And maybe to yourself, maybe to another. Stability of place. Not getting outside of, as we say, your lane, right? Not buying into the grass is greener on the other side sort of thing that leads people into this Acadia type of behavior. And then he says, the instant exercise of whatever kind of art and labor or prayers and vigils so that you're never found idle. Actually doing things and sticking with them is how you conquer Acadia. What about sadness? How do you deal with the, the sadness of the world? He says that it's conquered by spiritual joy. So it's difficult to make yourself joyful when you're already sad, but it is, it is possible and joy as opposed to sorrow. Hope of future things, consolation of the scriptures, or fraternal conversation and spiritual enjoyment. You know, 
removing the condition of isolation, of being stuck in yourself and engaging with others, perhaps through reading, perhaps through uh, conversations or things like that. So each of these has its remedies that Alcuin wants to help uh, the readers out with. These are all some important capital vices that he thinks we need to watch out for. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.